He is a dynamic teacher, success coach, leadership consultant, and pastor. His broadcasts, excellent leadership, and success power can be viewed on satellite channels all over the world. He is the senior pastor of Daystar Christian Center, Lagos, Nigeria, with over 40,000 in attendance every Sunday. He founded the Daystar Leadership Academy, DLA, which is dedicated to raising a new generation of leaders who will serve as catalysts in the transformation of Africa and the world. As of 2018, over 38,900 people have graduated from the school. He holds a master's degree in leadership studies from the University of Exeter, UK, as well as a doctorate in strategic leadership, which he obtained from Regent University, Virginia, USA. He is married to Nike Adeyemi, who co-pastors with him and ministers healing to women and children through the Real Woman International and the Love Home Orphanage. They are blessed with three children. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the visionary and convener of the Excellence in Leadership Conference and our first speaker, Dr. Sam Adeyemi. We're grateful. We are products of your mercy. We have enjoyed your grace. You kept us alive to see this day this day that you designed from the foundation of the world. We thank you. We thank you. For everything you have in mind to do at ELC 2023, like your word says, the works that were finished from the foundation of the world, we're grateful. We ask that you do all that is in your heart. Let your kingdom come. Amen. Let your will be done on earth Amen. as you have proposed from heaven. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Someone say a good amen. amen. Welcome to ELC 2023. Please understand our excitement, right? The last time we saw physically at this conference was four years ago. <laughs> so please, please give a warm ELC 2023 welcome to someone close by, please. Shake their hands, hug them. See, in, in, now, 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 we're a whole lot more than we can see here physically, right? Let's give a special ELC 2023 welcome to everyone joining us online from all over the world. So, in this day of technology, right? Hmm. In this day, you know what we're going to do? We're going to say welcome to people all over the world. Is that okay, technology-wise? Okay. So you will help me. <laughs> so if you're going to lead in the 21st century, 
How are you going to lead without leveraging technology? Yes. I, I understand. Many of us are shy, right? I was like that before. We're, we're technology shy. So when my consultant, you know, advised me that I should hold the phone and record myself and that I should give her the video, that she will post it, don't worry, who will post So I recorded two. I looked at them, I played them. I felt so awkward. Uh -uh. I kept them on my phone. <laughs> they have never been posted. <laughs> but somewhere along the line, I repented. Is that OK? Yes. Good, so you know what we're going to do. <clears throat> so <laughs> yes, I'm going to do it selfie style. Hmm? Good. Thank you, Jerry. It, it, this, this, it's mind shift. We better start the mind shift from now, right? So if you thought it was just going to be about talking and talking, you know, we'll do the practical, right? So if you are still feeling awkward, today, <laughs> you will tweet, <laughs> you will post. <laughs> so what we're going to do here, when I say three, two, one, go, we will say, Welcome to ELC 2023. Is that okay? Yes. Thank you. I have one strong supporter here. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. The next thing you will do is to take your phone and snap yourself. Snap, just snap yourself, right? Snap yourself. We're going to do something with it. No, uh, step by step, step by step, step by step. Yes, step by step. Hmm? <clears throat> step by step, oh. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Oh, yeah, have you taken your picture? <clears throat> good. Good, 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 good. So, what we're going to do eh, is that I am going to post hmm? live now. Eh? <clears throat> with the hashtag ELC2023. Then you will, you will find my post, you will find my tweet on X, you will go on Instagram, you'll find my post, it will be on LinkedIn, you will repost. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? You will now post your own <laughs> picture with the hashtag ELC2023. Is that okay? <clears throat> Help me to shake the hand of the person next to you and tell the person, welcome to Mind Shift. Please let's have a seat.
Yes. So it's, you will see how I am working it out. <laughs> Some of us have not been posting because you posted once and then there was only one like. <laughs> Some said no like. There was the point. I beg. There you go. <clears throat> so, while we are on that, I want to say a very special welcome to every single one of us present physically, everyone online. This is the Excellence in Leadership Conference 2023. Um, it's been four years, like I said. It makes four years now since the last time we got together physically. Some uh, two years ago, we had an online-only version of the ELC. And we want to say a big thank you to you for coming. Um, so happy to have right here my partner in progress. <laughs> my co-dreamer. And co-adventurer. <laughs> We experiment together. We take advantage, we take, we go on adventures together. We try things together, which means we fail together, and then we succeed together, right? Um, she's uh, a woman of many parts. I call her my prophet in the house. And her kind of prophet is different. I wish hers was the kind that would do mm. Mm. Then you will know that the spirit just descended. Then you will pay attention, right, to what will come next. Her own, it just flows with what she's saying. So you can easily miss it, right? But hmm, after 30 years together, I know to pay attention, right? And we call her the real woman. a mother to our biological children and to many all over the world. And this morning, she, she is she's looking so beautiful, it is knockout style. Please let's appreciate Pastor Nike, Dr. Nike Adeyemi. <laughs> you see what I mean? Hairstyle, knockout. Uh, makeup, knockout. Uh, the dress, knockout. The shoes, knockout. Did, did you catch the perfume? Uh, <laughs> We're blessed to have amazing speakers here at this conference, and some of them are with us already. 
uh, a very special welcome to Dr. Helen Paul. <laughs> special ELC 2023 welcome. Special ELC 23, welcome to Ms. Folake Odediro. All the way from Potakot, special welcome to Pastor Chris Ugo. All right, I am expectant. I am, I, I am, I am, wait, who is expectant? I am expectant, all right. Um, special welcome to all DLA alumni. Are you in the house? <clears throat> oh, please, please, Spe stand, special stand. Special, because ELC is usually good. <laughs> Homecoming, right? Yes. For the alumni of the Daystar Leadership Academy. Well, I'm sure there are many of you online too, right? Please let's give them a special welcome. Thank you. Please let's have a seat. Anyone from outside Lagos? Physically present here? You actually traveled to be here today? Anyone like that? Oh, let's give them a special welcome. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, wow, wow. All right, just know as we go on that we absolutely want you to be very comfortable, right? So please, if you need anything, just get the attention of any of our officials and uh, they'll be ready <clears throat> to give you direction to the conveniences uh, during the break time uh, we have a food court, and we have resources or resource stands for our speakers where you'll be able to access some of the resources. And there's a bookshop uh, on the premises right by the exit gate where we have more resources because leaders are learners. Am I correct? Leaders are learners. Thank you. Let's start from somewhere, right? With um, thousands of leaders, in fact, tens of thousands of leaders attending a conference, um, the one requirement for us to get anything meaningful out of the conference is humility, right? Humility because that's what makes it possible for us to learn. And humility is the key to greatness. So we'd ask for mutual respect and for us to be open to learning in the course of these two days. Expect to get two things, practical tools for changing your own thoughts and habits, and ultimately your life. Practical tools. Leadership begins with self-leadership. Leadership begins with self-leadership. 
and personal success. Secondly, expect to receive a new level of sophistication in influencing others to change their thoughts and habits and ultimately their lives. When we do that, we practically change the culture of a family, of an organization, and of a nation. I pray that these two days will be defining moments for every single one of us. Amen. That we will remember these two days for decades to come. Amen. That the foundation will be laid for new dimensions of impact in our lives. So let me lay a foundation this morning for the many insights we will be receiving in the course of this conference. There are many days in my life that I will never forget. And one of them just comes to mind this morning. So, Dr. Nikke and I attended the conference in this city, like this. <laughs> and this particular speaker just give a short explanation on a verse from the book of Proverbs, a verse written by Solomon, the great wise king and leader. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. You may have heard me talk about this before. Proverbs 21, verse 20. Because on that day, it was read in the King James Version of the Bible. Now, if you listen to me often, you know I don't use King James Version. Because I believe that even if King James himself was alive, he would not be reading that Bible. Because the English is so antiquated. But today, permit me to read <laughs> from the King James Version. Proverbs 21, verse 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spended it up. So he said, if you spend everything that is coming into your account, you're a fool. I waste. <laughs> I mean, it shook me up. Did I hear him right? <laughs> he repeated it. If you spend everything that is coming into you, you are a fool. Ha! It had been a long time since someone come, called me a fool. <laughs> and this was in the house of God. <laughs> I shook my head. So I was thinking to myself, so, but what if what is coming in is not enough? Right? Yes. As if he had me. <laughs> he said, I know some of you are saying the reason why you spend everything is because the money is not enough. He said, let me tell you, it is not because the money is not enough that you are spending everything. The fact that you are spending everything is proof that your wisdom pipe is blocked. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was my reaction. 
at that point, <clears throat> I turned, so Dr. Nikkei was sitting on the row behind me, <laughs> right, by the arrangement that day. I turned, I looked at her, <laughs> I faced forward. When he said, made that last statement, it was as if somebody took a pipe and hit my head with it. <laughs> he said, I'm not the one that said so. It's Solomon. It is the Bible. He said, ah! So then he went ahead, gave some more explanation that I, I can't even remember the details anymore. My head was spinning. <laughs> but he made his point. He supported it with practical examples, his own experience, and the, their experience in their organization. You know what happened? When I got back to the office, the first thing I did was to just request for someone at the office to go to my bank. Go and get savings account forms for me. Honestly, I filled the forms quickly and opened a savings account. And then started. Started right there and then. You know, I had my budget, how much I was going to spend, and then anything else that came, whatever was coming in, I was taking something out and, and taking it to the bank. And then at the end of the month, whatever was over budget, I took everything and threw them in the savings account. My shock was how much I saved. I was surprised. Let, let me give you figures, you know, to put it in proper perspective. So my salary at that time was 30,000 Naira a month. At the end of the first month, I had saved 100,000 Naira. Right? Honestly, if, if I had not done that, I would not have known you know, that I was, I was getting that much money. The second month, the surprising thing was that my income actually went up. And because I was saving all the extra, then the savings went up. The third month, my income went up again. So I was saying, what's going on here? <laughs> what's going on here? Because whenever I have anything dramatic happen like that, I want to understand it. Especially if it's positive. Because... I consider every experience in life to be like the eating of a fruit. Most times we eat the flesh, we throw the seed away. But if we kept the seed and cultivated it, it will grow into a tree and give us more of those fruits, right? So inside every experience is a principle that controls the experience. If we understand the principle, then we can recreate that experience over and over and over again. So I was trying to understand what's going on? What's going on? Then I discovered what was going on was inside. It wasn't only in my bank account, it was inside. It was the fact that until then, when I ran out of money, I ran out of money. And it affected my thinking and my emotions. I felt broke. I felt poor. But now, when I ran out of cash, and the thought of being broke was coming to me and feeling broke was coming. Once I remembered the figure in the account, the, the thought of being broke just ran away, right? I killed it, it disappeared, shattered. The feeling of being broke shattered. I felt rich. I now discovered, you know, that it was because I was not, there was no poverty in my thinking. That's why the money was coming. There was money in my mind. 
Anytime I was thinking about money, the figure in the account came to my mind, and you will always attract the material equivalent of your most dominant thoughts, okay? So this is what I'm trying to point out. I had something, it changed my thinking, my thinking changed my action because I took action on it. And when I took that action consistently over time, it became a habit, right? And then put my life on autopilot. It's not, I don't have to actually think about it or, or try hard to save. It became a habit. It became a part of my life. I'll tell you the interesting, uh, another interesting dimension to it. The day I asked them to get savings account forms for me, I asked them to get for this time. Also. See, the way you are is the way you lead. Yes, right? And that's why I said leadership actually starts with self-leadership. So whatever happened to me immediately affected the organization. I asked them to open an account that was going to be purely for saving. And then we started saving. It was exactly the same experience. As the figure in the savings account increased, our income was also increasing. And since then, because we've done that consistently, this experience I'm describing to you is over 20 years. I attended that conference over 20 years ago. So, and because also we've done that consistently, not spending all the money that comes in in, 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 in our church, it's become a culture. Anyone employed into our finance department in the last 20 years met that culture that every week when something comes in, something goes into savings because it's actually a part of our budgeting process. When you change your thinking, you literally change your life. When you change your thinking, you literally change your life. And when you change the thinking of a group of people, you put, or you change the life of that group. Maybe a family, it may be an organization, maybe a business, maybe a nonprofit, and it could be a nation. When you change the thinking, that's where it starts from then you change everything. For an organization, we call it culture. Culture. And that culture puts an organization or nation on autopilot. Culture is formed as we encounter challenges. We rationalize, we think, we prefer solutions, we test the solutions. And then whatever works, we apply it and we repeat it over and over and over and over and over. It becomes a part of our culture. The interesting thing is that after some time, we actually begin to do what works without even thinking. So thinking happens at two levels. So you have conscious thinking and you have unconscious thinking. The human brain is wired in an amazing way, amazing way, such that when you do something repeatedly, after some time, it moves that thing that you're doing 
into the subconscious to allow your conscious mind to deal with fresh problems. Once something becomes routinous, the human brain moves it into that subconscious level to allow the brain to deal with fresh problems. Hmm, it's, it's amazing. So it's the same for an organization. You tested something, it gave you the results that you desired, you do it over and over and over again. Before you know it, for the people within the organization, how to do it moves into the subconscious so that we can deal with fresh problems. Culture, however, is complex and it is ever-changing. It's not fixed. It's something you have to pay attention to every single day because as your thinking is changing, as your emotions are changing, they are having impact on your habits, having impact on your character, having impact, if it's the group, having impact on the way the group behaves, or should we say, the culture. That's why management guru Peter Drucker said, culture will eat your strategy for breakfast. However beautiful your strategy may be, the people implementing the strategy are the ones that will determine whether it will be successful or not. Am I right? How they feel per time, what they're thinking per time, what they're doing per time is actually what will determine whether your strategy will work or not. It is people that bring strategy to life. <laughs> At a personal level, it is you that will bring your plans to life. So as leaders, we have a huge responsibility when it comes to shaping culture, just so that culture will be able to bring our goals and our strategies to life. Let me explain the formation of culture uh, with the formation of personal habits. So you face uh, challenges, you rationalize, you test the solutions, then you repeat what works. After some time, you do what works without thinking. You do what works without thinking, right? It's also the process for learning. <laughs> I remember when I learned how to drive. My dad taught me how to drive. And he had this book on driving that had been in our house. I had read that book so many times. I had imagined myself through the process in my imagination, as I would start the car, engage the gear, and it was the manual shift, right? I would press the clutch, release it gradually, you know, you know, press the clutch, engage the gear, release the clutch gradually while pressing on the accelerator. Everything went smoothly in my imagination. <laughs> on today, today, he took me out <laughs> to the driving range. <laughs> the first opportunity I had to move the car, the thing jacked, jacked, and then came to a stop. I was confused. I didn't realize you needed to do so many things at the same time. Ah, I was supposed to hold the steering to control it. I was supposed to press the clutch and then release it gradually and press the accelerator, take that, you know, and at the same time, engage the everything just. <laughs> so it had to take practice and trying and testing, right? And eventually finding what works. And then after some time, driving became something that I would do, right? So, 
if, if you drive, you'll understand what I mean. A good chunk of the process is moved into the subconscious, right? You move into your car. I, I, I think, I love to drive myself a lot because it allows me to think, right? And I find out sometimes I would leave home and drive to these premises some 15 minutes and it's when I'm driving into these premises that I will remember I was driving. Has it happened to you before? It was on auto. The driving was on auto because I've done it so many times. Sometimes I think I could find my way closing my eyes, right? Some time ago, um, <clears throat> not long ago, Pastor Nikki and I were going to a restaurant in, in Atlanta. And the restaurant happens to be close to a shopping mall that we visit very often. A shopping mall with another restaurant that we visit more often. We were going to this other restaurant. And honestly, of course, we were engaged in this conversation. We, we were deep into the conversation. And somehow, somehow, I just found us <clears throat> in the parking lot of the shopping mall. It was at the same time that both of us said, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's amazing. <clears throat> what are we doing here? The subconscious took over. The conscious mind was engaged in the gist. The gist was sweet, right? <laughs> it was engaging. So I delegated the driving to the subconscious mind. And then it took over, default mode and took me to the mall. Then all of a sudden, what are we doing here? Perhaps there's someone asking that question this morning. What am I doing here in life? Perhaps where you are is not where you would rather be. Perhaps there's a family that is asking themselves, what are we doing here? This is not where we planned to be. Perhaps there's an organization that is asking, what are we doing here? This is not where we would want to be. And maybe your country is asking, what are we doing here? <laughs> so if we're going to fix the issue, where should we go? The subconscious mind. The subconscious mind, the, the place that has put our lives on autopilot. The thinking that was invested there, right? The habits that have been formed, that's where we should find. What are we doing here? <laughs> what we're doing here is what we have programmed the mind to make us to do, right? So there's no change, no... So a lot of people make New Year resolutions, right? And the New Year resolutions just vaporize within a few weeks. Why? Because our thinking and our habits don't align with our goals. This is one of the major causes of failure, that our thinking, our subconscious thinking, and our habits do not align with our goals. For organizations, the culture does not align with the goals. It cannot deliver the goals that we have set for ourselves. My sincere hope is that this examination of our subconscious thinking would happen all through this conference. My sincere desire is that there will be revelation. 
there will be insights. We'll be able to pinpoint what the issue is, that we will make decisions, like I did with the opening of the bank account, right? That we will make decisions, and that when we leave here, we will get back to execute. And that when we execute, you know, we test the ideas that we have, we will get results. And eventually, when we get what works, that we will be able to repeat it and repeat it until it becomes our new nature. James Clare, in his book, Atomic Habits, powerful book, selling millions, or that has sold millions already, actually. James Clare suggested four laws that guide the changing of human behavior. Uh, he says, make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. I won't go into the details of the four. I'm just interested in the first one, because that's the one that has to do with our conference. Make it obvious. Make it obvious means take time to think about the thinking that is driving what you're doing. He said because when it moves into your subconscious, it has moved into the realm of the invisible. It has moved to a place where you don't see it easily anymore. If you are going to change your life, you will have to take time. Take time to reflect. Take time to think and to uncover it. How did we get here? We got, we got here because we've been getting there for a long time, almost every day. And it has now become habit. So when you uncover it, then you are able to tweak it. And with that, start a new journey. Begin with what we call awareness. That's what it means to make it obvious. Become aware of what the issue is. Because when your diagnosis is wrong, your prescription is going to be wrong. Am I right? Let's uncover it. <laughs> In the last few weeks, I've been on TV talking about leadership, uh, values, and national development. Honestly, this is all I'm trying to help the country to do. Awareness. 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 Why? Because I've been part of this democratic dispensation since 1999. That's 24 years. We've had seven rounds of elections, and we've been producing the same results as a nation. So there's a need for awareness. That's the starting point. And that awareness is possible through education. That awareness is possible when you attend a conference like this. It happens when you read the book. Only God knows how many times I've been reading the book and I shouted after reading something because my problem became obvious. The issue became apparent. Like the day I felt, like they hit my head with a pipe. <clears throat> it has happened many times. <laughs> okay? It happens through mentoring. I've shared before how I was having a discussion with Bishop Oedipo and I was telling him how, oh, we were planning to move into a new facility. We were almost concluding on the, on the building. And then I, I shared with him what we were going to do when we moved in. I said, sir, the first thing is, the first thing we will do when we move in is, that, is 21 days prayer and fasting. He said, that's good. He said, how far is this place from where you are now? Will, will people, the people living around where you are now, will they have to take a bus or taxi to get to your new place? I said, yes. 
He said, that means there's some potential, you may lose some people, okay? But there'll be new people where you are going. He said, what would you say has been bringing people to your church up till now? I said, it's the word, it's the teaching. He said, fantastic. He said, if I were you, what I would do when I move into a new environment like that, you know, planning to attract new people is what has been bringing people. As it is, I'm not sure if inflicting new people that are just checking out your church with prayer, with fasting, is the way to attract them and to keep them. As he was saying it, I just broke into a smile. Not that, not so much because I was enjoying what he was saying. I was just thinking to myself, why am I thinking like this? <laughs> ah, I identified where my problem was. Mm-hmm. It was the thinking. It was the thinking. We've got to begin with awareness. My encouragement as we go through this conference, think about the way you have been thinking. Psychologist Carl Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. That's F-A-T-E. Or should I say destiny? Until you uncover your unconscious thinking. He said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will think it is destiny. Ah, uh, wait, let me, let me give you the African version. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will think it is village people. Thank you, you swallowed that one. <laughs> As I close, there's a big question on my mind today. How do you change the mind of a nation? How do you change the mind of a nation? And I'm mentioning that because I see massive influence ahead of us. The season is changing. I said the season is changing. The way God works is he sees the opportunity ahead, he prepares you for it. He prepares you. This conference is a preparation. Someone is shifting to national influence. Someone is shifting to global influence. This conference was supposed to be for people that have global vision. What I just said, it looks like it doesn't apply to everybody here. I said, somebody here is shifting to national influence. Someone here is shifting to global influence. How do you change the mind of a nation? So, I've mentioned a few times the day I had the opportunity of sitting next to Pastor E.A. Adeboye on a flight from London Heathrow to Baltimore. I had gotten a hint that he was going to be on that flight. What I, the hint I did not get was that his seat was going to be next to mine. It was when we got on the flight. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you, you know how you sit on the flight, how you sit on the flight, and you know God answered your prayer. 
<laughs> interestingly, interestingly, I just, as an aside, I, I, I boarded a flight from Abuja to Lagos, and as I was walking in, I saw his son, Pastor Deboye's son. Sadly, he's the one that passed. And we greeted, I went to take my seat. And that day, I wasn't supposed to be on that flight, so somehow, somehow, I couldn't get a seat in the business class. I was in the economy class. And he was in business class, and he stood up and came to meet me where I sat. He said, sir, I need you to stand up and to go and take my seat. I'll take yours. I said, thank you. I'm okay here. He said, sir, I insist. I said, I'm fine. Thank you. I appreciate. He said, sir, Gio did not teach us like that. I insist. Then I told him something, which is what made me to remember just now. I said, you know what? The moment I sat down here, this gentleman sitting next to me said, Lord, I thank you. <laughs> I said, so you understand what I mean? He said, I'm fine, sir. That's okay. <laughs> don't, don't undo somebody's answer to prayer, right? Anyway, so here I was sitting next to Pastor Duboy. So as soon as I sat down, you know, I greeted him. And I said, sir, will it be okay for me to ask you questions on this flight? <laughs> he said, what would I say to you now? <laughs> Which excuse would I give you? Is it that I have an appointment? <laughs> Oh, that I have a meeting. I said, good. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> That's fine. So I left it until the plane was in the air. Allowed him until he was free. I said, sir, just one question, sir. Just one question. What is the role of the church in the transformation of Nigeria? What is the role of Christians? He said, eh. he said let us just pray that God will give us more righteous people. I thought that was a vague answer, spiritual. But he, he explained it. He said, let me ask you a question. If you had a group of armed robbers and they had the opportunity to elect their leader, would they elect a policeman? <laughs> oh, yes. And I, I was writing everything he was saying. That, what a profound question. And later, I would meet the same concept during my doctoral program in strategic leadership. Hmm. It is called prototypicality. When a group has the opportunity of choosing its leader, it will choose the person that best approximates the ideal member of that group. It's amazing. It's a principle. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. At the end of the day, the group will choose the person that best approximates. So, whoa. So, and I promise you, this happens at an unconscious level. It happens at an it, It's more about the subconscious than it is about the conscious. So, I've, I've then played different scenarios with that equation. Okay, fine. So, if I was the policeman, and somehow I found myself as the leader of the group, what would I do? One of two things would happen. To remain as leader of that group, I would have to become an armed robber. Or else they would either kill me or take me out. Or the group would have to become like me. That process of changing people, leading people through transformation, that is what leadership is about. And because it is difficult, that's why many leaders avoid it. They just give themselves their excuse. You know what? I'm not the one that created the problem, especially at the national level. I am not the one that created the problem. Because the moment you start, I promise you, I have friends in government, good people that mean well. Their greatest challenge is mindset. And it starts from the people closest to them. I've said it before. A former governor here in Nigeria, you know, said to me, and when I visited him, he was actually still in office as governor. He said, Brother Sam, my problem is not with projects. My problem is not with projects. I get competent contractors. They deliver, okay? I insist, and they deliver my project. He said, my biggest problem is people's mindset. Can you imagine? I heard that the people in my cabinet were somewhere discussing, you know, and that they were telling them, they were joking, and they said, Governor, come and solve vision, vision, vision. She vision, life, Jenny. The, the governor would just be saying vision, 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 vision. Is it vision we want to eat? Their interest was on the money. He said, these are people in my cabinet, the executive council of the state, not to talk of the citizens. You get what I'm saying? So, so when, as a leader, when you confront that, it is either you are able to shift their thinking or, ah, you get where I'm going, right? So for the group, you will need to make the subconscious group thinking conscious. That's what I'm trying to do with my media interviews. The subconscious group thinking, make it conscious. I had that experience when I read the book titled Culture Matters many years ago. Culture Matters. Right? A compilation from, of presentations at a symposium at Harvard University was trying to establish the correlation or the connection between culture and development. It's amazing. Culture Matters, How Values Shape Human Progress was edited by Lawrence Harrison and Samuel Huntington. I'll pick some of the things they identified, for example, about African culture because I was trying to unpack my own thinking. They mentioned hierarchical distance. Right? This is based on research. In some parts of the world, the gap between the people that have power and those that don't have is narrow. In some other parts of the world, it's wide. Africa falls within that scope where it is wide. <clears throat> the powerful are very powerful. The powerless are powerless. 
Very powerless, let me put it like that. <clears throat> I remember the first time I would speak at a church in the US, my, my friend's church in Houston, Texas, two services. At the end of the first service, we were going uh, to spend the break in his office. As we approached the door, he just helped me. I just loved the fact that he was sensitive to me. I'll never forget it. He just helped me. He said, Pastor Sam, hold on. When we get to that door, those people will not get out of the way for us, okay? So we will have to wait our turn to get through that door. I will explain to you later. <laughs> I love it that he was sensitive, culturally sensitive, because he is Nigerian-American. He knew where I was coming from. It was my first time of speaking in the U.S. He knew that in Nigeria, ah, as we approach the door, mu, 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 the pastor is coming. <laughs> he wanted to deliver me from culture shock. Hierarchical distance. I wrote an article years ago, a few years back, for the World Economic Forum. I titled it, Africa doesn't need charity, it needs good leadership. I explained in the, Africa that, in the article sorry, that the structure we have in Africa, few people in the elite class use political power to corner most of the financial resources for themselves and those they love. Everybody has struggled. So I said, any aid you send from anywhere in the world, once it comes into that structure, the money you send to take care of poor people, sick people, most of it will be consumed there at the top. Only very little will get down. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> other issues mentioned in the book, I don't have the time to go through them. But there's one other one I should mention. The high cost of irrationalism. Irrationalism, lack of use of the mind. Or lack of value for the use of the mind. Reminds me of someone who told me he was watching a TV program one day and a pastor was preaching. A pastor, many years ago, many years ago. It was at a period when we were having hair crashes in Nigeria. And there had just been one. And he was warning, he, he was uh, preaching in one of our local languages, and he was warning his church members to be careful about flying an aircraft. Then he described to them how the aircraft is manufactured. He said that the white man forms the shape of the body. Then he takes the power of witchcraft. Agbaraje. He takes the power of witchcraft and puts it that it is the power of witchcraft that it uses to fly. I asked the person, are you sure of what you are saying? Did somebody tell you? He says, sir, I, I watched the program on TV myself. I said, Jesus. The, the cost of irrationalism. Right? We, that's why we believe in magic. Fantastic ideas. What we don't understand, we develop fantastic explanations for them. So we need to unpack those. And I'm asking those of us here today, right, to become those ones that will begin to uncover what's in the subconscious and to begin to present better ideas and to encourage a shift in our thinking. Is that okay? We can start from this conference. So as we go on, you will hear from our speakers, personal stories, personal stories of people who faced challenges in, in, in a trying environment like this. 
Some young people may think, oh, things have never been this bad. Sorry. It's just been a steady decline. Things have been challenging. You actually even have tools now that some of us had no idea about because some of the tools you have now did not even exist 25 years ago. Right? Good. So it is the thinking you should rather focus on. Unpack the subconscious thinking. Let's tweak it. Stop focusing on the negative. Focus on the positive. Stop seeing problems. See opportunities. Travel in the opposite direction because that is what the people that change culture do, ultimately, and improve your influence skills. So listen to the stories, you know, and the principles that will be shared. And I sincerely believe that each of us will be going home with something. And when we get back, we will tweak something and the results will begin to change for us. <laughs> so in the early years of this time, many years back, we had just moved into a new facility. It was our former facility. And one day they reported to me someone had stolen the equipment inside the water closet. So we deliberated on it at the management meeting. Some suggested we should, do, we should respond the way we normally do in Nigeria. That we should, what do we, is it burglar proof? We call it yes. Iron, right? We should use iron to cover the water closet, right? Have buried the iron, cement it into the wall. Uh, I said, how long will we do that for? Look at our vision, right? We're to raise leaders here. I said, you see, if it doesn't work here, just forget about the country. When this is even the house of God. So I said, wait. So I spoke to the whole church. I spoke to the whole church. I appealed to their conscience, to the better side of them. And told them, this country needs to change. And we can't start failing from here. If it doesn't work here, the country is doomed. We are better than that. We are better than that. Okay? I said, God is here to change your life. You can't start failing from here. Now, stealing things from God's house. And then, of course, I asked everybody to be their brother's keeper. So, so anytime you go into the bathroom, the first thing you should do is check if the equipment is still there so that if it is missing, you quickly raise alarm so that we lock the gate before everybody leaves. <laughs> I'm glad to tell you it stopped. It stopped. Dr. Mike Modoc says, inside every man is a king and a fool. The one that you speak to is the one that will respond to you. Let us speak to the kings and queens in us. The better side of us will find expression. Welcome to ELC 2023.